Hello and welcome to the Dumb It Down podcast. I'm your host, Eric Larson, and I'm joined here by Julie Verney today. Um, although Julie's last name is Verney and it's different than mine, she's actually my cousin. So she got a, a sneak peek into this podcast and the brainstorming process, helped me with my cover art, and is here in the flesh. Good evening, Julie. Hello, Eric. <laughs> How are you? How are you today? <laughs> I'm good. I'm ready to go. Julie is in New York City. Um, I actually visited her slash went on a work trip a couple weeks ago. Julie had to deal with some of my engineering sales people at a conference and learn about some new products and basically get sold to herself. Um, so that was a fun experience now. Yeah, you know, day in the life. <laughs> I feel like, yeah, they don't, they don't let you out of the, uh, the studio and the office very often. But, you know, every now and then, take advantage of the city. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. Especially when my cousin's in town. Gotta go hang. Yes, yes. We have 18 cousins total. And they're kind of spread across the East Coast. One just went West Coast, too. Grew up in New Jersey, going to the Jersey Shore. Um, and they are my biggest supporters i've got a lot of big supporters but uh they're, they're pretty close the verney hype squad so shout out to them and my aunts and uncles who will certainly be listening to this uh to get julie's two cents on uh, a topic and industry that's a little adjacent to engineering but not directly engineering so julie is an architect and uh we're going to talk a little bit about how she came to that and school and work and uh, what, what really matters in both. I'll let you take it away a little bit, Julie. Uh, we grew up together uh, visiting <laughs> on Thanksgiving and Christmas and recording this around the holidays, but we didn't talk much about school or work because that's not really what cousins talk about at that age. But talk a little bit about how you came into wanting to be an architect and when you found that out. So when I was a kid, like a little kid, I was always interested in art. As I'm sure you remember. Mm -hmm, um, that's true. And I, I was always drawing and taking art classes, and that was sort of a main focus of mine when I was a kid, and I was okay at it. And there was definitely a time where I was like, I'm going to be an artist one day. This is young, like five, six years old. Um, but then by the time I was about like probably 10, I was already talking about wanting to be an architect. And, of course, that makes most adults roll their eyes because what 10-year-old is like, I'm going to be an architect. actually knows. Yeah. So, um, but I sort of had the aptitude with, with like science and math, like and as the years went on, um, it sort of seemed like my abilities in school versus my sort of artistic and creative abilities would maybe lend well to architecture in general. Um, after speaking, I spoke with other architects who were already in the practice and I, like I said, they did so these pre-college programs. Yeah, did your parents kind of throw that on the table as an option, or how did you even get connected with architects that young? So my mom is a big believer in connecting and networking. So from <laughs> very young, 12, 13, oh. I was already talking to people in the field. Um, when I was in high school, I actually, um, my art teacher from when I was a kid, her nephew was a very recent architecture graduate and was working at an architecture firm in our hometown. And he gave me like architecture lessons when I was a freshman in high school. Wow. Um, which, yeah, that was pretty wild. It was a super, super nice of him. I mean, of course my parents were paying him, but um, that really helped because it's, he would give me sort of exercises that he would have his freshman year of college. So it was, it was kind of showing like what could be done and like what you needed, what your brain needed to do, because it wasn't like here, design a floor plan. It was much more abstract than that. And like, and that is kind of how it went once school yeah. came around. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, I feel like, yeah, that's an experience that a lot of people don't have. And I asked a little bit later about if you have a mentor and I feel like it's really hard to find someone who is doing what you want to do at, at any age. So, you know, maybe he's not much of a mentor, but at that stage of your life, that's, that's super helpful and important. And I kind of touched on in my first episode, but my parents made me uh, do an engineering internship where I saw what 10 different engineers did. And you know what, what I took away from it wasn't that I wanted to fell in love with any one job. I was like, oh, this is still, you know, there's a ton of stuff I could do with this that 
you know, I'll, I'll find something eventually. So very cool. Okay. So you've identified architecture with the help of parents and, uh, you know, <laughs> go, go get them attitude. Um, you decided architecture in school, you applied to a couple schools. I mean, Julie is as Jersey as it gets. So I looked in the Jersey and New York city area. Um, yeah, you'll probably resent that. Funnily but, enough, um, there's only one accredited architecture school in the entire state of New Jersey. So just FYI. Oh. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I put New York and New Jersey in the same category, but that's just cause I'm from the South, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh boy. By my senior year, I definitely knew I wanted to go into architecture. I didn't apply to school for anything else. Um, I applied to a bunch of different schools, but I didn't apply to any other majors. Um, I had done some pre-college programs leading up to my senior year of high school. So I did one at uh, the Parsons School of Design here in New York. I did one at Drexel, which is in Philadelphia. And I did one at NJIT, uh, New Jersey Institute of Technology. Um, and those were really helpful and interesting because one, it sort of showed the rigor of what the programs were going to be like when I finally got into college, but they mm -hmm. were also very different in the way that they were teaching architecture and design. So Parsons is an art is a strictly art school. I went there for a fine arts program. Drexel is sort of in between. It's, you know, design and architecture sort of combined. And then NJIT, while it's an architecture school, it's very technical. Um, and so that sort of helped me when I was a senior decide what kind of architecture school I wanted to go to. Um, because there is sort of a variation in how the curriculum is set up and what they emphasize in their, in their school. So okay. um, that was a big indicator when I was yeah. applying. Yeah, I guess, right. Just like any other major or concentration, you can break it down a couple of different ways and have to figure some of that out before school uh, and some during school. All right, so, so take me to freshman year. I know architecture is like a five-year program. You knew you were baked in that. You probably weren't doing the studio much yet, but you were you know, probably comfortable with your decision, selecting some classes, getting out of the gen ed. Is that all accurate or what was your mind state? So it's actually not very accurate. Perfect. Um, <laughs> so architecture is one of those degrees that if you are gonna go for undergrad, you need to basically commit immediately. Um, so there's sort of two paths to becoming an architect. You can either do what I did and get the five-year Bachelor of Architecture, which is considered to be a professional degree, or you can go to your four-year undergrad, do whatever you want, really, um, and then get your master's in architecture later. And hmm. you end up at the same end point, which is that you could go and get an architecture license and be considered an architect. Um, so because of that, because I did the five-year undergrad, um, which is an, it's an accredited program nationally. Um, they hit the ground running immediately. <laughs> I was in studios the first semester, um, full blown design, everything, 18 credits. We were ready to go wow. on day one. And that's just because they cram so much into the five years. Like there's so much that has to be learned, um, yeah. that, they, they really have to start on day one or you'll never finish it all. <laughs> Interesting. So, so with that, when you went into school, you were like, I want to do the five year path instead of that other path. Why was that? I wanted to do that path because I knew that's what I wanted to do. Um, and it's faster. It was faster. It was cheaper. Um, mm. because it, it's, it, what it comes down to is five years versus seven. So sure. if you did, an undergrad, it's four years. If you want to get your master's, it's another three for a master's of architecture. Uh, for the BARC, the, the Bachelor of Architecture, it's mm -hmm. the same outcome essentially, but a lot less time. Um, the only yeah, so difference would, is, is you have to know. <laughs> would there be a typical undergrad that people would do, or is it like a, like a what's it when you're going to be a doctor pre med, where you just you kind of do a couple of or can choose from a couple? What do so what would someone depends. do? It really depends on the person I've, so I know a lot of people who have a master's of architecture at my current office. Mm -hmm. That's pretty common. A lot of people have gotten their master's degree a little bit later. Um, they usually have some sort of arts or engineering background. Um, so sometimes people do start off in engineering and then later on go into architecture. And those people are like the mega, like they know everything uh. people. Um, I have another friend who went to her undergrad in art history. 
And then there's people who are completely in a totally different field altogether. Like I, I know someone who was pre-med and then later switched to architecture or got decided to get her master's in architecture instead of going to medical school. Okay. So um, you can really do anything for an undergrad. Um, that being said, there is an undergraduate degree that's four years that is a Bachelor of Science in Architecture. Um, and every now and then, a master's program will take credits from that uh, undergraduate degree. But I feel like people sometimes get, they don't realize when they're going into school, into that program, that they that's not the degree that you need. Like, you will have to go and get another one um, oh, in order to be licensed. So it's uh, that's definitely the difference. The four and the five is, is a big yeah. difference uh, professionally. Yeah. Yeah, that's a lot to decide on when you're 17 or 18 years old. Like, I know I wanted to, or I didn't want to be locked into a master's. So I guess you probably had the same mindset there, where you, but, but your only options were five years or, or more. So interesting. But all right, so so moving on a little bit, you're. I, I remember the architects I knew at school were in studio all the time um, and stayed that fifth year because I did too um, and did a lot of work. What was your impressions of the degree by the time you were a senior? Were you kind of burnt out? Were you excited? Just, just general thoughts. So by the time I was in my fifth year, um, I feel like I had gotten the hang of it. Um, I, I was definitely ready to be done, um, and I had set myself up pretty well. I, I really pushed myself the first three or four years, um, so I was part-time my last year, which was great because I was working like 25 hours a week in an architecture office in the city. Nice. Um, so by the time I was done, I was done. <laughs> I was definitely ready to be done because the program, it is, it's, it, as you said, like the architecture students are in studio all the time. That is 100% accurate. Um, and it definitely took me a minute to sort of get my footing. I, I mean, I worked around the clock. I didn't pull many all-nighters. Um, there were plenty of people that did, um, but it's sort of the broken record of architecture school to be like time management, time management, time management. Mm. And it's true. If you managed your time properly, um, you could sort of figure it out. Like I worked during college. I I was an on-campus tour guide for a few years, and then I was working oh. in offices too, at a certain point in time too. So. You know, it can be done, but at first it, it definitely is a, a big sort of culture shock of going from high school, especially where I went to high school, super, super small school, 300 students total, mm -hmm. very sort of, you know, we're going to teach you, but, you know, it's up to you to figure it out. Whereas now it's like, you better get it together right now or you're going to have some problems. So it definitely was a big adjustment, but um I definitely feel like I got a very well-rounded education where I went to school um, and I left feeling proud of it and yeah. I look back on it fondly. I wouldn't want to do it again, <laughs> but I am happy that I did. You mean well-rounded as in, you know, what the skills you took away from it, not necessarily all of the classes and stuff, or what, what do you mean by well-rounded? Um, a little bit of both. Um, I think, you know, Pratt, um, so I went to Pratt Institute for anyone who's wondering where right. I went to school. What was your mascot? Uh, the Cannoneer, the Pratt Cannoneer. Go, go Cannoneers. Yeah, they're not yes. in March Madness, otherwise I'd probably know it. <laughs> yeah, no, the school was founded in the late 1800s, so it's, you know, it's like Pratt history, whatever. But okay. um, it's, it is an art and design school. Um, that's what it's known best for. And so I think that people maybe underestimate the sort of technical skills that a design school is able to impart on its students. Um, I didn't really feel that way. And having gone into the field, I don't, I don't fully feel that way. I think there are probably areas that could be improved on. But um, I felt that I left school having a very good design education and um, enough of the foundation of skills to be able to work uh, professionally in the office. I so, see. Yeah. So is that helped by your classes or your experience or kind of all the above? I mean, I know work experience wasn't required for engineers, but was helpful. Um, but it's not like you had a professional development class or certificate certification or anything, right? We didn't have a certification, but we actually did have a class called professional practice. Oh. Um, yeah, so that was a whole semester. Um, we had technical classes like construction documents and um, building systems and things like that. So we did have to learn all of that. Um, it's a little bit harder to learn when you're not 
doing it every day. Like I've definitely learned more of that um, holistically now being in the field all the time. Sure. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it wasn't required for us either to have internships, but it was highly, highly, highly encouraged. Mm -hmm. um, and I started working in offices right after my freshman year of college. So uh, as we spoke about before, my my mom was really big on make sure you get to know architects and meet people. <laughs> um, and I was really lucky when the one of the architects I spoke to before I went to college um, she has the practice in my hometown in New Jersey. And mm -hmm. I spoke to her when I was in high school. And then when I graduate, or I'm sorry, when I finished my first year of college, she offered me an internship, paid, paid internship. I still, to this day, she is the reason I was able to start off on such a good foot. She Aww. trusted me with so much and taught me so much and really like trusted me with like she just kind of had blind faith, I guess, because I didn't know anything yet. She hired me, I knew nothing. Yeah. Um, Wait, so that's, what year was that for you? Right after school? It was right after my first year of college, so 2014. Oh boy, okay. So yeah, yeah. that's super helpful. Yes, yeah, so I worked for her for a few years um, when I was in my early years of college, so. Like back in the summers or she'd send you stuff? Yeah, I'd work for her yeah. in the summers and sometimes over uh, like Christmas break, like that. Nice. Month. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you've, you've got me thinking here because I feel like I came out like none of my classes or few of my classes prepared me for like my job, but I also went into sales and I feel like there's a different like certification for architecture that like gives you this this almost floor when you come out of school. You have to have these skills. Everyone knows you have these skills and they're like usable real world skills. So my question is, do you come out and like know that you want to do commercial buildings or residential buildings or a certain type of concentration of, of what you're doing? Or is it kind of homogenous as far as, you know, buildings, a building, they have certain systems and a certain look. How do you, how did you decide and process that? So I would say, um, and this is just speaking from my own experience, I would say that where you go to school has a lot to do with what kind of architecture you end up doing. Um, so I went to school in New York. Um, I was taught the New York City Building Code in school, gotcha. not super in depth because that's just not what you do in school, but um, that definitely drove it. And so the projects that we were doing, like our sites were in New York. And so we would do, they were obviously hypothetical buildings, but we were doing big commercial structures, not homes or, you know, barns or, or anything on the smaller scale. Amazon warehouses. <laughs> not not so much so it, <laughs> it, it i think it does kind of depend where you go to school i think if you go to school um outside of a big city they'll sort mm -hmm. of teach you more specifically to the area that you are uh living in um but again i'm just speaking to my own experience mm -hmm. um so when i graduated from pratt i had the experience that i had was like mostly large-scale design um, and they gave us sort of a mix of residential and commercial. I always kind of swung towards the residential, but I would say that my internships greatly affected me in that. Mm. And I would not have been able to figure out exactly what kind of work I wanted to do had I not had them. So my first internship, I worked at a small firm in New Jersey doing homes. And I enjoyed that work, but it always seemed like I wanted to do something bigger. So the second firm I worked at which I worked at in my last year of college and then right out of college, um, like my first real job. Um, I was working for a developer and we were doing mid-size multifamily residential, so like eight to 10 unit condo buildings. Um, and the firm I work at now, we do um, like extra large high rise residential. So right now I'm working on like a 50 story tower in the city. So, um, you kind of have to yeah. you kind of have to dabble I think a little bit and see where your sweet spot is mm -hmm. um, and working will definitely help you get there yeah well again you've got me thinking because my my friends I, I can't I couldn't tell you which of my friends has like a mechanical engineering one title and I feel like lots of classes and coursework in your degree kind of pushes you into this, you know, you're going to be an engineer, you're going to do this, but then maybe it's the people I surround myself with, but go into project management or sales or like some other facet of business that needs some technical expertise, but doesn't necessarily, you know, become a, 
an engineer who gets their PE, professional engineering license, and like stamps drawings and that kind of thing. So to ask you, do you know architects who kind of went in these other directions? Is that kind of the norm or is it pretty focused toward this job and that's just what people do because it's in high demand? How, do you, how does that work? So I'm always pretty surprised by this, but I know many people who don't go into architecture. I would say that like, honestly, the majority, at least at Pratt, don't okay. go into something else. Um, it's not usually as your like it's not usually sales or anything like that, but it's usually another oh, design God, facet. No. <laughs> it's just usually something design related, but isn't architecture. Um, I'm always myself completely shocked by this because it was five years of <laughs> hell in a way. But um, it, at the end of the day, an architecture degree is a pretty high level design degree to have. So if you can if you can build if you can design a building, like you can design yeah. something else. So I actually know a lot of friends who have gone into like furniture design or graphic design or um, like some kind of industrial design facet. Um, okay. Sometimes people move into photography or they go into historical preservation. Um, so architecture, like engineering, I think, even though it's a pretty specific degree in theory, it's it's one that's a very well-rounded education if you wanted to try something sort of adjacent to it. Um, whether it be a design degree or I know people also who have graduated from architecture school and then decided to be engineers too and like go and get their yeah. master's in some sort of engineering and move along to that or um, construction management is a big one too. Architects okay. will decide they want to go make more money and <laughs> become construction managers, sure. which I have a minor in, by the way. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you you so should much. do that too. Go get that bread. Yeah, you watch me. We're not, oh, we got time. <laughs> yeah, oh, this is true. No, this is this is eye opening because I knew there would probably be parallels from talking to you. Um, and for <laughs> anyone who thinks I'm cheating my podcast because episode three, I'm not doing an engineer. Um, listen to all these parallels. So yeah, so I've got to I've got to make sure that I get some more uh, some more engineers on that have a more more traditional background because it seems like you went you know architecture traditional for now. And a lot of the people that I know win engineering degree. And, and what they say about an engineering degree is like, it teaches you about problem solving. Like even if you never do a fluids problem or a solids problem or calculus, yeah. again, you've got this background. Would you say the same about architecture? Oh yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, that's, that's pretty much the job is solving problems that you created for yourself all day long. <laughs> Um, but no, I think plate, it's helpful right? that we're doing this because the question I get the most from kids, like, so my high school contacts me all the time with kids that are like, oh, I might oh, want to cool. be an architect. And the most common question I get from people is, should I be go into engineering or should I go into architecture? So I think this is probably going to be a pretty helpful podcast if someone is really trying to figure out what path to go on, because yeah. a lot of times people who are considering engineering are also considering architecture, I think. <laughs> So what's your answer to that question in a boiled down fashion? <laughs> I think it just depends what you're interested in. It, it's really different. Like I work with engineers every day, um, whether it be mechanical, electrical, um, structural, civil engineers, I work with all of them every single day. Mm -hmm. The building physically can't go up without them. Um, that being said, a lot of times I see what they're doing and I'm like, I'm so happy that's not my job. <laughs> so I think it really just depends on your level of interest. If, if you're really math heavy and you really like to sort of sit and figure out problems in that way, um, I'd say engineering is probably more your alley. Whereas architecture, like, yes, there's the problem solving and yes, there is math. It's not like I don't do math every day, but um, it's, it's much more of a, you have to have many tracks going at the same time in terms of solving something mathematically and also solving it aesthetically. So you have to sort of marry the two. Um, and the architect, a lot of times, I know you and I touched on this earlier, is that the architect often employs the engineer, um, at least in, in a building situation, not in, there's so many things that engineers do um, as we're getting into this mm -hmm. the whole point of your podcast, right? But um, architects usually are sort of the top of the food chain in a building um, and the architects hire out for engineers and are the engineers are basically subcontracted to the architect. Right. Um, they're for a new building. They're reporting to the architect in a sense. Most of the time. 
Not always. Sometimes it's structured differently depending on the size of the project, but most of the time the architect is the one employing the engineers. Gotcha. Yeah. So what would a smart building be? No, I'm just kidding. That's a, <laughs> that's a question for me to answer. Um, cool. Interesting. So looking forward, um, is there another certification you need? Is there a master's in your future? Um, are you happy with your current kind of, uh, you know, being an architect or what is, what's the future look like for Julie Verney? So full disclosure, so that the, uh, so NCARB doesn't come after me. I am not an architect technically. I don't have my RA yet. I am in the middle of that. So that's one of the things you have to do once you graduate from five years of school, then you get to go on and log thousands of hours um, with a firm. And then once you're done with that, then you can start sitting for your architecture exams. Um, and that's so what are you right now? I'm technically call? just a designer. I'm an architectural uh, designer at the moment. Or I sometimes see. people are drafts people. Um, oftentimes you'll see people like referred to as like an intermediate architect, but legally or technically not supposed to do that because you're not, you're not an architect yet. Interesting. Um, so it is, uh, it's a little bit of a, a tricky subject because saying to somebody, Oh, I I'm, I'm in architecture. They don't really know what that means exactly. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I am not technically an architect yet, but I'm well on my way. I've been taking my tests. I'm hoping to have it done by next year. Um, but that's sort of the last step of the architecture journey is to okay. actually get that registered architect at the end of your name. Gotcha. Registered. So yeah. Okay. So I mean, it's similar to engineering. Yes. So at the end of your senior year, ideally you could take it whenever, but I actually took it then cause I figured I'd forget anything, which happened. Um, I got my <laughs> fundamentals of engineering FE it's not initials, but I passed a test so that in five years of logging a certain amount of hours, you could become a professional engineer or PE, and then you get the initials after your name. I don't know if it's more common in engineering or architecture, but I guess, you know, like we've covered here, if you're going to be a traditional architect or engineer, you need that certification um, to stamp drawings, I guess, on the engineer's side. Architect same for would be architects. the same. Yep. Okay. Yeah, that's really the big the big pull, right? But even if you, like, let's say my office, perfect example, it's a medium sized office for a hundred people or so mm -hmm. there, I would never st stamp a drawing there unless I was a partner. There's partners that stamp the drawings. However, the big to have, yes. And, and they're the ones that the liability insurance is filed under and it, whatever, it's all some corporate nonsense, right? But sure. um, for me to have that RA at the end of my name would be a significant pay increase. So ah. it's a professional, even if you never want to open your own firm ever, it's something that you professionally should get because at a certain point, your salary will just plateau. Hmm. It's just the way it works. Um, yeah. That's and that's common across a lot of jobs. I mean, I'm thinking of teachers and, and nurses and others too. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I would like to maybe I'll have a teacher and a nurse on. I bet there's parallels there too. Um, actually, I was talking to someone about that. Anyway, um, awesome. Well, that uh, that's all pretty interesting. I didn't know a lot of that about Julie. <laughs> and unless there's anything else, I've got a couple questions I had sent you that I wanted to ask specifically. Uh, anything else on architecture you'd like to chime in? Uh, the only thing I would say is like, don't do it if you don't love it. That's really my biggest piece of advice. I love it and I loved school. And even though it was really, really hard and the job itself is really hard, it's super, it's obviously a super rewarding job. Um, when you walk past a building that you designed, built, there is mm -hmm. nothing more satisfying than that. That is cool. Yeah. It's so what, awesome. if, what if you're a freshman and you're, you're not sure if you love it or not? How, how can you know that early? Uh, I, you know, I hate, I hate these questions because I don't want to tell somebody how to, to conduct their future. Um, but I think if you are a freshman and you're, you're getting through your first year and there are just as many days that you're not enjoying as days you are enjoying, I would, I would maybe reconsider. That's, okay. that's my honest advice. Okay. I, and I'm not going to speak for anyone because I had a professor my freshman year of, high, of college 
was so discouraging <laughs> after the first year. And I just don't believe in that. Like, I think, you know, follow your dreams. And if you think you want to do it, totally keep going. But yeah. if you find yourself unhappy a lot of the time, I don't, don't put yourself through it. It's so much to not enjoy it. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. Okay. Wise words from from Julie uh, and, Wise and words are, are somebody's dreams crushed. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know a lot of people who, you know, switched from maybe one concentration of engineering to another, either because they didn't like it or they, their grades weren't great. I, I don't know. Um, and right. I mean, there's something to be said for pushing through and, you know, you could always get a different job than maybe your, Yes, yeah. of course. Your course. As many people I know did, as I said. A lot of people yeah, I know exactly. by fourth year, they were like, mm, I don't know about this. And they completed Not the either. degree, as I, mm -hmm. I think you should. If you get that far, you absolutely should. Um, it's really like at the very, very beginning, if you have yeah. a... Uh, if you're not sure and you have an opportunity to change, you maybe could or should. If you get halfway through school, you should finish. <laughs> You've already put in the time. You might as well just finish it up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I tend to agree. And parents everywhere would probably agree with that, too. I think so. All right. Well, that leads us to our, I was going to say rapid fire round, but we can, <laughs> we can take our time. Um, so first question is, what's been your biggest screw up? So I, thankfully, I haven't had anything like an epic, epic screw up. Um, Good. But I will say, I think that I kind of screwed up on my first job um, negotiating my salary. It was a little bit of a tricky situation because I was already working at that office um, for a while. I, I had already this been is the lady? No. From Jersey? Okay, okay, okay. No, no. Um, this is my first job, like my first city job where I gotcha. was working uh, at a firm in New York my senior year of college. And then upon me working there through the school year, um, he offered me a full-time position which was amazing, of course. Um, there's no greater thing when you're in your last semester of college than to have a job set up for you when you are done. It takes a huge weight off, especially when you're like, you know, with architecture, we had a big thesis project we had to complete. I'm sure you had something mm -hmm. similar. So to not have to worry about like applying to jobs and stuff was really amazing. But what was complicated about it was he offered me the job in March. Um, and so obviously school's over in about May or so. And so it was kind of a tough position because other offices were not going to start interviewing for a May or June position in March. So hmm. it was kind of a, you have to take it now or never situation. Hmm. Um, and so speaking of mentors, I actually did work for one other firm briefly. It was not an architecture firm. It was actually a landscape architecture firm, but I loved working there. And the woman who runs that office is in my opinion, an icon. And um, I, I look up to her quite a bit. And so I actually called her up when I got the job offer because mm. it was a lot lower than what I had wanted or expected. Um, and so I called her up and was like, hey, listen, I laid it all out for her. Uh, I was like, in your professional opinion, is this something that I should consider? Or should I, you know, it, you know, it's like, what, uh, you take it or leave it, you know, like you take the shot of leaving it on the table and, you know, you, you take the shot of, will you get it hired somewhere else? And, th and that kind of stress. Um, and she, she gave me some pointers on how to negotiate it higher, but said that even if it doesn't come up that much, she would recommend that I take it. Um, not just because of what I was saying about the job that, you know, being scared if you don't get another job or something, but there were other reasons to stay at that office, which is why it was so tempting in the first place. Um, I, you know, they were giving me a lot of responsibility. It was a smaller office. Um, I really liked the people I worked with and I was learning a lot and there were, there were plenty of good reasons to stay. Um, and so anyway, I negotiated my salary a little bit higher, but I was definitely intimidated by the entire situation, by the fact that there was like so much on the line and that I was young and that I was a woman, you know, speaking to a man boss and, and trying to like make my own way. Um, and I don't know that there's anything, looking back, I don't know there's anything I could have done um, in the moment because it was the, it, you know, it's the first time you do it. The first time you do a salary negotiation, you kind of just got to learn 
what to do and to believe in yourself and just be tough. Um, but yeah, I definitely wish I had started a little higher at that office. I, I worked for very little for a little while there. So you were saying other architects hire about two weeks out or, or closer to a start date because architects out of school aren't necessarily in high demand. Is that true? That's part of it. And it's also subject to demand of work in the office. So sometimes like, like in my current office, when they hired me, they needed me basically immediately because they had just gotten a brand new project and they wanted somebody new to be on it. And so they hired me specifically to take on that job. So it kind of depends on like what the office's workload is, is part of the reason. Um, but yeah, it's, it's the kind of thing where it's, if someone's going to hire someone who graduated right out of college and they have interns like me at that office, like they were going to hire me before they would hire a classmate of mine just sure. because I worked for them for a year. They already put in the time and effort on me, you know? So, um, that's it. why I write. <laughs> so that's partially why, um, but it definitely made it tricky to, it's not like I could just lay all my offers out on the table. And what was worse is my boss at the time, he gave me like two weeks to decide. So it wasn't like, hey, thank you so much for offering this to me. Can I let you know in May? Like that wasn't going to be acceptable either. So it was really yeah. like you have to decide today <laughs> or soon, you know, in the next two weeks um, or it's off my offers off the table, basically. So it was kind of a lot. It was a lot of pressure for me in that moment. I was also, you know, again, finishing my thesis. So I was very stressed um, and I think maybe a little rash and a little nervous and uh, it's yeah. It's Looking back, situation. I always pretty much every situation professionally that I've had that I felt nervous about, I look back and wish that I had just had a little bit more like believe in yourself, like, come on, you know, you're 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 good, do it, you know. Yeah. And so I think that's just something that comes with age and time and experience, but yeah. It's it's tough, right? It's tough right off the bat. I know my initial job, you know, your your gut is I want to negotiate everything, but it was kind of a development program, so um, they've got tiers. You know, if everyone isn't on the same level, then they've probably got tiers, and one or two, and that's it. I mean, you can't really negotiate much to benefits. You're you don't even know what you're talking about or getting into. So it's true. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. The, well, one one difference though. I feel like engineers are in very high demand, even coming out of school. Would you say that architects are not? Um, I think they are now. I think there was a long period of time where they where there wasn't. I mean, 2008 destroyed the architecture industry. Right. And to the point that it's still reflected today, like when you work in offices, there are a lot of senior people, like people who have been in the field for 35 years. And there's a lot of new people, like people who have been there for 10 years or less. But that sort of middle ground of like 15 to 20 years experience, like Gen X, they're not around. There's like a handful of them. And it's because a lot of people had to jump ship during 2008 because there just weren't jobs and people just completely changed fields altogether. Um, but now, ironically, the pandemic has skyrocketed the architecture industry. The, the job market could not be better right now for architects. Yeah. So I honestly, I'm glad to hear that because I, I remember at the beginning of this, when everything started, we didn't know what was going to happen. And I had friends losing jobs and stuff. Um, I was really thinking about the kids about to graduate from school. And I was like, oh my God, there's going to be no work for them. Um, but now the, the, the industry is booming and I'm sure that they're making a lot more money than I ever did when I was their age. And so it all worked out, I think in the end for everybody, but uh, you know, that's, it kind of just depends, I think on the market of, younger people are in higher demand um, and sort of what a firm is looking for. Uh, I think if you work for a more design-oriented office, younger people actually are probably in higher demand because they're better with softwares and things like that. Mm. Um, but if you have an older technical office that's looking for people that have a lot of technical experience, that's, that's, that is knowledge that you can only learn by working. So it's, gotcha. it's tough, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I guess there's there's still a lot of new development going on after COVID, so that's spurring a lot of need for architecture. Um, Big time. Very cool. Um, well, you know, not cool that it was a screw up, but cool that you <laughs> learned from it. That's what we're here to do. You just gotta take it for what it is. You know, you can't go back and take it back. You just gotta 
do better next time. Push through. <laughs> um, cool. Well, tell me something you're excited about. It doesn't have to be work-related. Well, I am pretty psyched because the project I am working on right now, the project I got hired to do, been on it for almost two full years at this point. It's the only job I work on. Um, we're about to issue our construction set next week. So um, okay. that is pretty exciting. We sort of button up the drawings uh, to a certain point. And that means the, for those of you who don't know what that means, like that's the sort of end all be all of the construction drawings. So the, basically the directions for the contractor. And the next the step Lego is- The Lego instructions for the building. Basically. <laughs> and uh, the next step is the owner of that building is going to bid the project out to contractors and subcontractors and everybody. And then uh, come next early next year, we should start construction. So I'm definitely excited to see that building go up. It's, it's actually in the neighborhood that I live in. So I will see it all the time going up. And um, like I said, I've never worked on a project quite so big. So uh, it's not like I'm gonna be able to miss it. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, I'm pretty excited to to make that next step with this job and see it yeah. get done. Yeah. Well, and you said that right. One of the most exciting things was seeing a building that you actually designed in the flesh, which is sounds super cool. Um, yeah. And so, so I had a uh, Vlad on episode two who mentioned that since he works for BMW, they have these long product cycles because he basically sees a prototype all the way through development and through construction. So I guess you could say the same about a building, large scale commercial building. Um, similar, right. If you, you're tied to this project, you know, one, you don't want to leave it, but two, you know, it's, it's very fulfilling to see it through and, uh, I'd be excited too. I'll come, I'll come visit and we can, we can tour the building. That'll be fun. Yeah. You gotta make cool. sure it's smart though. <laughs> yeah, we'll see about that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> next question. So you mentioned a couple mentors, um, maybe not one person in particular, maybe it is a couple, but what are they doing that you are currently not? Uh, I mean, most of my mentors are quite a bit higher up the food chain than me. So, um, that, you know, that's something to look at. What's interesting is that all of them, I would say, are have different end goals themselves. So I can kind of pick and choose from them what I want to eventually be doing. Um, I have a, a guy that I speak to often who was a supervisor of mine at one point. He is about to become like a big supervisor of a, of a smaller office and I think he's on a partner track now. Um, I have another woman who I am friends with at this point who also used to be my supervisor. She's a bit younger too. Um, she's about to have a baby. And so she's sort of showing everyone how you can kind of do that and still architect. And she's brilliant too. Um, yeah. So, um, and then there's the woman who I used to work for at the landscape office and she's a little bit older. Um, she's actually probably going to be retiring at some point um, in the next 10 years, I would probably guess. I, I don't know for sure, but um, she's had an incredible career where she's done, she obviously has her own office and she's a manager of that, but she's also written parts of the building code. And um, like I said, she's a landscape architect. So she, she deals with a lot of the green greenery and all that stuff in the city and all of that, uh, like the law, the law of those things. So um there's a lot to take from. <laughs> yeah. I mean, are those like tracks that you see yourself doing and you want to like follow in someone's footsteps or you just kind of take data points and you're like, all right, I like where I'm at and I'll get somewhere eventually. Honestly, I'm not really sure just yet because I, I think there is a future for me of having my own office at some point in time. Um, the only person I, I've worked for really that I, I think maybe is my old boss at my last office. He, He's an architect by trade, but he's a developer now. Um, and so that office was a development office with an in-house architecture team. Mm -hmm. And I really enjoyed that work model. So I think as far as um, my professional future, um, I feel like maybe that's the direction it's going in. Um, but I think that there's so much to be learned by the people I know already, even if that's not their end goal. Um, I think that, let's put it this way, I think all of them could have that end goal um, and, and get there. It, I just don't know that that's their necessarily their, their own specific end goal. Um, mm -hmm. so I think there's plenty to take from them, um, professionally to sort of see if one day, yes, I end up 
opening my own firm and, and sort of taking that leap, which is a yeah. very different path. Yeah. Yeah. I actually, I talked to one guy from uh, my job that has a goal of, you know, becoming a developer at some point. I think that there's a lot of people where it, when you're putting your hands on a lot of different projects and buildings, you know, you want to do your own thing and start one from uh, open to close. So yeah, it seems like a worthwhile goal <laughs> and I'm excited for you. So, Thanks I'll, so uh, much, Eric. yeah, I'll, I'll support <laughs> you on that journey. Um, speaking of supporting people, is there anything you want to promote? Would you support other future architects as a mentor? What, uh, what are you looking to get out of this? <laughs> well, anyone can find me on LinkedIn. It's just my name, Julie Verney, which is, you know, in going to be in the title. Um, so feel free to connect, especially if you have any interest in working in New York or you already are in New York, I guess. Um, so that's probably where I'm going to be and be staying for the foreseeable future. When this goes viral um, in two and a half years, right? Yeah, I'll still probably be in New York. So, uh, but yeah, I'm always opening, uh, open to mentoring or even if just people want to chat. And like I said, I've done plenty of talks with kids in high school, sort of they pick my brain or whatever. I'm obviously a younger person in the field. So I just went through school. I sort of have that experience that going and seeing the school and talking to teachers and stuff isn't exactly the same as talking to someone who just did it. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, anyone can reach out anytime. I think my email's on my LinkedIn, so. There we go. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, it's funny with, with people reaching out to you from school. I used to get a couple phone calls from like NC State students and they would call me up. I'd see the 919 area code. I'd be like, hey, they'd be like, hey, I'm, you know, this student, I'm doing this and like start talking to me. I'd get all excited. I was like, oh, I can't wait to tell them like what to do and what not to do. And then they're like, so we're looking for, we're fundraising for NC State, and we just wanted to give you an opportunity to give back. And I'm like, dang it, they completely played me. Um, <laughs> and then I won't share if I did or did not donate money. But anyway, <laughs> nice that they're uh, reaching out to you. Nice that we can have this conversation, Julie. It was fun. Um, thanks for your time. Enjoyed it. And uh, I guess I won't see you over Christmas this year, but I'll see you at some point. Yeah, we'll always get together at some point. We'll all get together. Shout out the Bernie Hype Squad. Bernie Hype Squad. So, Julie Bernie. We, uh, we touched a little bit on a class you said was called professional practice. And I know in engineering, we had one class called fundamentals of engineering. It's been a while, but it kind of tried to steer you toward a concentration with like mechanical or chemical. But I don't think we had a class that steered you toward like, this is what sales is. This is what project management is. This is how business works. This is what an engineer might do. Is that what your class did? Or, or just talk a little bit about what that class was and maybe how it's helped you. So that class was great. Um, Pratt was a good school in general just because all of the faculty were adjunct. So everybody was working um, and had their own office or whatever. And that um, means and that adjunct means they have a position in the field as well? That's their full-time job, and usually they just teach a class or two at Pratt. Oh, nice. Um, so that was awesome. Um, and one of the greatest things about the um, uh, the professional practice classes, it was taught by people that, like, that was, like, the only class they taught. They were full-time. Freshman year? Uh, third year. Third, third year. year. They waited for us to have a little bit more experience before Smart. they threw that at us. Um, but that's actually a big emphasis in architecture is for people to eventually like have their own practice. And so, um, a little bit of that class was, you know, teaching you sort of how to work in an office setting, <laughs> but a big chunk of it was also, and I, it was always a little premature, but it was, you know, a good thing to start to learn about, but it was, you know, what it's like to run a company and like the things that you should look out for in your professional life to aid you in opening your own company at some point in time. Um, 
but they also did everything between, we would do resume development, um, cover letter development, how to interview, what to do in interviews. Cool. Um, what your portfolio should look like. That's a big thing with architecture because you can't just submit a resume. Like they don't really give a damn what your, what's on your <laughs> resume. You got to prove it. You know, you can't just say, oh, I worked at this office and I worked on these projects. The first thing they'll ask you is let me see it. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, there's a lot of structure to that, that you don't, how else would you know? So that's a big, that was a big part of that class too, was helping you prepare to get your first job or even you know after that. Um, and then sort of later in the semester is when they started to emphasize more. If you decide to open your own office, these are the kinds of things that you should do and um, what you should look out for. Um, and that actually Wait, what's is- What's an example? Um, so I'm trying to think again, it's been a long time for me as yeah, well. Is it, is it like business? Like, like a, a business class would of course talk about yes. how to run a company, like entrepreneurship, like it's talking about some of those things, like what it takes to you know, values or how, just how a company is structured, that kind of thing. Yes. So it was a little bit of both. Um, it, it was more like a business class. Yes. That, okay. They talked about, you know, the different ways you can like professionally structure an office, like so LLCs or LLP or PLLC oh. or whatever. I don't remember any of it. I should remember <laughs> it though, because it's on the architecture exams. Um, we'll know soon. <laughs> yeah, I know them now, but you know, I didn't then. Um, so that was a big part of it, but also, you know, the sort of client relationships, how to speak with clients, how to sort of navigate between clients and um, either your employee or at one point in the class and then also your boss at another point in the class because when you're working in an office even if you're not the boss you might be the point person between the client and the firm and so you know sometimes your boss isn't involved in the project every day so you have to get them involved and but if it's your office you might have it structured differently than that so there's just a lot of sort of ins and outs so the, of the way that the class taught it. you how to like communicate with your boss or communicate as a boss Yes. Interesting. This seems like a very, very necessary class that probably not a lot of people in a lot of other majors get. Yeah, it was a very necessary class. Honestly, I thought it was a little like there should have been more of them. There was only one class mm. one semester. I think it would have been beneficial for it to be a two parter. Like and the three way credits. It was three credits. Um, and they sort of made it a two parter that they had it one semester was professional practice. The next semester was construction documents, which is another huge part of running a firm. Hmm. But um, it, one was sort of like the business and development side and the other side was like the technical, like you need to be an architect side. Um, and I think that we, they probably could have done like another uh, of the professional development class, but I really lucked out in that class because I had an amazing teacher. He knew cool. so much. He had been in the field forever. He was a super nice guy, um, very encouraging, you know, like not coddling, but very like, you know, this isn't good enough and I know you can do better than that. Like he's uh, very, uh, like a total New York guy. Um, but he was hmm. awesome and he had so much knowledge. Whereas I know sometimes like at Pratt, the same class was taught by many people. Um, and so I know there were some younger professors, which in some cases is best. But in this particular class, I felt like I was at an advantage by having a little bit more of a seasoned guy teaching me. Yeah. No, and the, and the adjunct, professor, adjunct professor point on top of it hits home for me because we had a lot of professors that did research. That was their primary function. And then they would have to teach this class. They probably didn't want to. To me, as a student, it didn't seem like they wanted to. I didn't get much from it. They, you know, read chapters one and two tonight and do some problems and you know the test will be either you'll fail it or you pass it that didn't sit very well with me i mean you know made it through but it seems like um having a little bit being a bit more in touch with business would help the majority of students because the majority of students aren't going to go on to be you know doctorates of engineering or similarly doctorates in architecture if that exists yes, but, or architecture yeah. theory or morphologies or whatever right, other right. theoretical architecture that there's plenty of <laughs> yeah cool well uh petition to nc state to have an engineering <laughs> class like that cool thanks julie
So, Julie, another point that came up that I have uh, certainly witnessed, although I'm on the other side of the fence, we're not going to talk politics. Um, <laughs> so you are a woman in a male-dominated industry. I would say engineering, based on my classes and my current job, is a pretty male-dominated industry. I'll give you the floor. I don't even know what to ask. <laughs> well, uh, that's definitely the case. Uh, architecture is still a male-dominated industry. It's getting better. Um, I'd say that when I was in school, it was probably 60, 40 men in the school. Um, but out in the workforce, it's definitely still higher, um, probably 75% men in my experience at the moment. Um, I've been very fortunate and worked for a lot of women, and I've had a lot of women coworkers, which has been amazing. Um, but it, it is something to definitely navigate. For example, the project I'm on right now, and again, I work in a 100-person office. Um, so I'm on this project. It's me and one other person, and then I'm supervised by somebody else. We also have a bunch of consultants on this job, whether it be the pool consultants or the structural engineers or the landscape architect and the interior designer. We have tons of people on the project. Um, so when every two weeks, we get on a big group call. And I'd say there's usually about 30 people on the call, 20 to 30 people. And of everyone on the call, it's myself and two other women out of 30. Two so, out of 30 for those keeping track at home. That's three <laughs> out of 30. Three out of 30. Which is 10%. Yes. So that's a staggering number when you think of yeah. it like that. Um, and I, I will say in my experience, I don't, in my workplace, I don't feel that. I don't feel that so much. I, I feel very um, listened to and welcomed by the people that I work directly with. Um, but in the past, I've definitely, and I don't know, it's, it's tough too, because I'm a young person. You know, I'm, I'm only, I'm about to be 27. I'm, I'm not very seasoned yet. Um, but I've been told many a time that I I look younger even than I am, so that definitely doesn't help. Um, and so nice. it's tough too to, to determine, or am I not being taken seriously in this moment because I'm a woman or because I'm young or both? Hmm. It's probably a little bit of both. Um, and so what's interesting, at least I've seen this in the pandemic specifically, is I've been at home for the last 18 months. I haven't met anybody and my office doesn't, we don't turn the cameras on uh, when we do meetings because we're just looking at drawings. Yeah. Um, and so I've definitely sort of, I've noticed a benefit in this, in the fact that no one has seen me and that they don't know how young I am and they don't know what I look like. Um, and I, I, here, I'll give you a perfect example. My last office, I was a point, I was the point person between the contractor and my office for a, decent sized project, maybe 15,000 square feet. And I had had a lot of back and forth with the contractor, no problems whatsoever. Very easy, like very responsive, respectful, whatever. No problems for maybe two months. Finally, I had to go onto the job site. I had to actually go physically and take mm. a look at something. And I met the guy. I'd, I'd been talking to him for two months. I met the guy in person and instantly the emails were not as responsive. I wasn't getting as much, I, he wasn't taking me seriously. He always would call me the girl architect on site, um, nice. that kind of thing. Um, so it's nothing too aggressive. Like I have personally, I, I know plenty of people who have, but personally I have not been like, you know, gawked at or told to that I can't be in the meeting or, or anything mm. really bad like that. But you think blatant, th yeah. There, there definitely is a little bit of, you know, you still got to wiggle your way in there a little bit. You, you got to put your foot forward. And I had this great, uh, one of the women that I was saying that sort of mentor me, she always was like, you know, you have the right attitude for this because you won't take any crap, you know? Um, <laughs> There's a Vernie. You know this of me. Like if, <laughs> if something's going on, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to weasel my way into it. And whether it's being like, hey, I want to be in this or not. Um, but that's, it's definitely something to, that is part of my job that I have to navigate with the clients, that I have to navigate with the people I work with. Um, it's, it's not invisible. It, I don't yeah. feel like it's just not there. Um, 
Yep. And like I said, I, I'm not getting anything crazy. Like I, I wouldn't keep working somewhere that I felt was being unfair or sexist or whatever. Um, but it's tough because like I said, that there's this big, there's this big generation gap between the people who supervise and the people coming into the office. And so that is also a little bit at play of, you know, okay, I've got this 65 year old guy who's my boss and he's like, oh my God, you're younger than my kids, you know? And so it's, it's an age thing. It's yeah. a gender thing. It's just something that has to get navigated every day. Yeah, no, it's, uh, obviously it's a double whammy for you and I'm on the younger side of things in my industry and in my company too. And you know, I'm, I'm trying to sell to people who you're trying to find things in common with them, whether you're in sales, you're in architecture or anything, you know, you want to make a good relationship with someone, you should find some things in common, have some things to talk about and, you know, not going to, uh, Oh, the wife and the kids and I did this this weekend. I don't usually uh, share what I've been up to over the weekend <laughs> in case it's, um, you know, not unexpected. We'll leave it at that. Um, but yeah, wanted to ask about that. So another little subtopic. So an engineering, mechanical, aerospace, nuclear, very male dominated. I think that's still the case. It was when I was in school. I would imagine. Uh, then there's, so. you know, chemicals, maybe in the middle, uh, biomedical maybe attracts more um, females as well, environmental. Just, you know, that things things are probably changing for the better and, you know, coming closer to the middle now. But are there any, like, concentrations in architecture that you feel like one, it, maybe a part of your office is, like, more girl-centric or is it just kind of across the board? Um, it's usually across the, the board. I haven't yeah. really seen, I mean, I haven't worked in commercial real estate very much or, you know, commercial buildings, whatever I do residential for the most part, but... Mm -hmm. Um, I'd say it's pretty straightforward. It's, it's office specific. I feel like sometimes like my last office was more women than men. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was pretty cool because honestly, I felt, felt like we got a lot more done there, <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know, I, and my dad is always, he, he doesn't really believe in this. And I'm like, you're wrong that, um, you know, whether we like it or not, women always feel the need to, that they're going to have to prove themselves whether it's explicitly said or not, I think that's just kind of the way it, oh, it, it is at the moment and it shouldn't have to be, but. You mean in business, just in general? In general, like I think that women, a lot of the time go above and beyond um, what they're paid to do or expected to do because, because of that, because there's a, an expectation of, okay, well, I need to get ahead and I have to work a little bit harder to do it because I'm the minority in this situation. And I think across the board, like not just architecture, but all the fields are definitely getting better about that um, because people are aware of it now. You know, for the longest time, it was just like nonsense and people just weren't listening. Um, but, you know, it, it's just not the way anymore. So people are starting to get it together, I think. Yeah. I mean, there's there's some it is what it is. And, you know, you people just have to deal with whatever's on their plate. But I, I, I do feel like it's better to talk about it and notice it. And, um, you know, personally, I'd like for my organization and my whole industry to be a little bit more open to different backgrounds and viewpoints and you know just just on everything i think that diversity of thought would be beneficial in any project you know if you have a bunch of, of engineers on one project you could probably use an architect more of a design oriented you know creative mind uh, i think that could be said for a lot of projects so Anyway, thanks for being open about that. Sounds like you, uh, you're very interested in getting that off your chest. Well, I just think that it's not talked about all that much. And I, I think that if you're, you know, I think it's great that you're doing this podcast and it's going to reach out to all these people. But I know myself as a high school student, that mm. was something I was definitely concerned about that like, oh. okay, I'm going into this male dominated field. What is that going to look like for me? Am I going to have a harder time? making a career here because of the fact that I'm female, you know? And so I think that hmm. <laughs> it was definitely an important topic to bring up. You knew up. that going in. Oh yes, of course. One of, that was one of the things, main things I asked the woman who mentored me when I was in high school, who then I ended up working mm -hmm. for that part of the reason I w was so drawn to her was she was this very successful female architect, um, with her own practice and everything. And so, you know, having her at when I worked there, it was just her and one other woman and me. And so that was cool. That was really cool to like work somewhere where I felt 
not equaled, but like there were no men. So it was kind of like, all right, I, I don't have to worry that I'm being slighted because of that. I work for a woman who only, I only have women on the team. It's kind of great. Um, but that was totally something that I thought about and thought about even when I was in college, that was like, okay, you know, what is this going to look like for me going forward? What am I going to have to do differently than my male counterpart to get the same job? Yeah. Hopefully nothing, but potentially something, you know? Yeah. Well, right. It's, it's in your mind when you're looking around your classes and you're looking around your internship and you're seeing people different than you. Yes. Cool. <laughs> well, thanks, Julie. Anything else? No. <laughs>